So did you guys see what Iman Shumpert said about LeBron James on the Bootleg Kev podcast? Either way, it ruined basketball. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. It wasn't Katie. It was Bron first going to Miami. Bron knows he ruined basketball. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you think that was... I always look at the Bro, first. Ruined basketball. Me personally, I love the NBA for the loyalty that I thought was there. And I feel like all the franticness happened when Braun went to Miami. It just don't mean nothing. Like loyalty means nothing. Do you guys agree with this? So I don't really agree with it because I just, I, I, I feel like, I don't know. For one, I think it's weird for Shumpert to kind of not really throw shade, but kind of throw shade at LeBron James. And at the same time, like, I don't really think I agree with it because I think if LeBron James didn't do what he did, I feel like we would have eventually saw something like this happened anyway. I think Kevin Durant is one of those guys to where like at the end of the day, he was always going to make his own decision and do what he wanted to do. Like whether that be going to the Golden State Warriors or teaming up with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. I just think Kevin Durant has like this own thing going where, you know, he's j he just wants to be his own person at this stage of his career. I also feel like at the end of the day, you know, you get a guy like LeBron, he gave everything to the city of Cleveland. The way that NBA basketball contracts work, you know, as a rookie, you're basically locked in for four years. Then you're a restricted free agent. You're locked in for another three to four. The player basically has no say in where they go in the beginning of their career. I'm not going to rip anyone after, you know, seven or eight years of giving all they can to their city to going to another place. Now at the time, LeBron James definitely, you know, with the decision, it didn't help him at all. And I feel like that is why he got ripped a lot. Also, it was new, but you know, looking back at the decision, I definitely think it was good for the sport of basketball because I'm pro player. I'm pro, you know, go to where you want, make your money and play where you want to, because we've seen countless times before, you know, guys get judged on NBA championships. Charles Barkley gets made fun of by Shaq on a nightly basis because he does not have a championship still, you know? So if guys are going to be judged at the end of the day on their legacy with their legacy for having championships, you can't rip them if they're going to go to a place that actually gets them a ring. I mean, I think if LeBron James didn't join the Miami Heat in 2010, and I know we're going to get a comment saying, oh my God, but the Boston Celtics did it before him. And then if you go back to 2004, the Lakers like also did something like this. And even before then, the, when the Houston Rockets tried to get a washed up Charles Barkley and Scottie Pippen and Hakeem Olajuwon together. And if you go to the, I mean, you could always find instances where big threes were constructed. This was like one of the first times in a long time, I want to say since probably the days of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, where the defending MVP left the Cleveland Cavaliers, joined with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh on the Miami Heat, and pretty much conveys, hey, I'm the face of the NBA and, my, and I'm doing this. This is okay to do. I don't think Kevin Durant would have joined the Golden State Warriors otherwise. Now, I'm not saying that what LeBron James did was wrong, because going back to that point of his career, if he didn't join the Miami Heat and if he didn't leave the Cleveland Cavaliers, then he probably would have been in a situation where the Cavaliers just wasted his prime away and he probably would have significantly less championships to show for it. So I don't blame him for that decision at all, but that does also convey to these other teams that that, hey, I mean, to these other players that, hey, 
If you don't like your current situation, you could get up and leave. And at some point, player empowerment kind of turns into player entitlement, which is what you see with Ben Simmons currently, who is trying to demand a trade from the Philadelphia 76ers, but not with any good rationale at all. Wait, I think Ben has great rationale. What? Uh, what's his, how, how does he have great rationale? His rationale is like F Philadelphia, uh, well, the 76ers because of how they treated him and just threw him under the bus after everything went down. I, I mean, I can't be mad at all at Ben Simmons for wanting out of Philadelphia, especially at this stage of his career. Boo-hoo, I had a horrible game in national television. People are mad at me for it. I haven't developed no, a jump but shot not in just years. People. It was his head coach. I've never really seen a head coach throw any player under the bus like that, especially a player that, would, like, that has the talent that Ben Simmons has. That's something that, you know, we've never at least I don't recall seeing in um, recent times. I mean, if we look back at the Ben Simmons situation, what has changed from when, you know, the Sixers did rip him, when Joel Embiid, you know, uh, made his comments, when Doc Rivers made his comments, nothing has changed in Ben Simmons' mind. Um, if the Sixers wanted to go in a specific direction and get Ben Simmons back, like, yeah, you know, his head coach at the end of the day went on national television right after the worst loss potentially of Ben Simmons' career and threw him under the bus. So Ben Simmons is probably like, yeah, you know, if this coach is still around, I don't want to be around. Uh, maybe the same goes with Embiid. And the 76ers are the ones that are refusing to take any single trade offer and are refusing. Not only that, they're off. They're asking for so much that other NBA GMs are basically laughing at them. Um, so, yeah, I can't really blame Ben at this point. Like, Ben made it clear what he was going to do. And then the Sixers responded with, okay, well, then we might not trade you for five years. So, I don't. Like, what's he supposed to do to that? Yeah, and also, I think it was just time for a trade. I mean, I've been following Ben Simmons in the 76ers pretty closely, like, over the past couple of years. And I, I don't blame Joel Embiid. But he's kind of thrown Ben Simmons under the bus a lot in post-game press conferences, indirectly referencing him saying, yo, we got to take these shots. Yo, I got to create my own spacing. Yeah. So I definitely think it was time for like a mutual split. And they both want to split, but it's just that Ben Simmons value is not what it really once was. To go back to the KD stuff, bro. With this KD stuff, a lot of people are, or not KD, but with this LeBron James stuff, a lot of people will say, well, LeBron James is ruining basketball, blah, blah, blah. I really don't know, because even if you don't like what he's done, he's gave us timeless moments with those Miami Heat. Like the, the big three Miami Heat is some of the greatest basketball that I ever had the pleasure to watch. And I'll even say that with the Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors. Now, obviously, I like the Golden State Warriors before Kevin Durant even more. But we got to see some epic battles, and I'm not mad at that. I mean, yeah, but I feel like the one thing I lament about those teams is I would have loved to see the big three Miami Heat go up against the Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors. Every single time one of those super teams were created, the one thing I kind of wish that we could have seen was at least competition that could kind of match up to those teams. And with the Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors, you had the Cleveland Cavaliers that were slowly losing their depth one year and then the year after without Kyrie Irving. And, you know, that's for the most part 
about it. They had that year against the Toronto Raptors where the wheels were falling off and KD tore his Achilles and Clay Thompson tore his ACL, who's, by the way, tearing it up in the G League currently, as we all know. And uh, I I don't know. I, I do agree. There are like timeless basketball moments, but it's kind of like similar to, you know, those years where you watch Team USA completely just obliterate their other uh, uh, their opponents in the Olympics. But it's the very Miami similar. Heat lost their first year. <sighs> And they only got that two championships. True. Yeah, I'll say so. I'll say okay. I agree with one thing, which is um, so. I'm gonna first off just start this off by saying that I think LeBron James did all of us a favor and did the NBA a favor by making that decision because LeBron James became the face of leaving in that um, instance. And like you mentioned before, Mike, what's he gonna do? Just you know, okay, waste some more seasons of his prime as Cleveland couldn't put together a contender because they couldn't at that point in time. They couldn't put a contender around him. If we look back and go back to Michael Jordan, okay, they the Bulls happened to get Scottie Pippen, and the Bulls happened to be able to draft a player uh, to team with Jordan that was a Hall of Famer and you know a consensus top thirty player of all time. If that didn't end up happening. I don't know what happens to Michael Jordan's career, uh, but you know, it, it just I, it wouldn't go the same way. He wouldn't win six championships if he did decide to be loyal like that. So again, I will say credit to LeBron James for doing that because I think you know, again, with the way that the NBA works, with the way that basically players get drafted and you're on that team for seven, eight seasons, it's like do whatever you want at that point in time. And with the Golden State Warriors in particular, with Kevin Durant. That was just a situation that everything just worked in their favor in order to get Kevin Durant. It was just, I would say, you know, unlucky. Obviously, if that were to continue, if we were to continue to see teams put together like the Kevin Durant Warriors, I would not be a fan at all of any of this. I just think that that was an aberration. I just think it was uh, really like a one once in a lifetime kind of thing because we saw, you know, contracts like Steph Curry, you know, those contracts ended up helping the Warriors uh, be able to lock in Kevin Durant if, you know, Steph doesn't take less money because of his ankles and all of that kind of stuff doesn't happen at perfectly, then Kevin Durant isn't able to sign with the Golden State Warriors. So yeah, maybe it's a dangerous precedent where it's like, okay, we could be watching, you know, these super OP Team USA-like teams. And if that were to be the yeah. case going forward, but I just don't think that will be the case going forward. Yeah, we still I see guys like Dane, you know, stay loyal which I don't like. But I also say this, what Kevin Durant did is 50 times worse than what LeBron James did. I don't even think those two are like in the same stratosphere. So did you guys see what Amon Shumpert said when they, and how the Cleveland Cavaliers that just won the 2016 NBA championship reacted to the uh, Golden State Warriors signing Kevin Durant? I'm like, for what? That's what I, that's all we all looking like, huh? Then we like, well, what Russ got to say about it? <laughs> That's what we are. What Russ been to say about this shit? This shit is crazy. That lasted all up until like half the season. Once we had already saw them one time, it was like, all right, bro, you you, you made your decision. Like, you got to stay over there. Hey, th let's beat them. Like, yeah. now it's like, bump that. I'm glad he over there. Let's deal with this. Like, Yeah, I saw it. And so, you know, Shumpert. I, you know, I can't blame them all for being like, oh, Kevin Durant, you know, really went over there and everything. But, you know, what I take away from that clip the most is that the Cavaliers were like, and, you know, it didn't end up working out, but the Cavaliers were like, all right, all right, Kevin Durant, you know, if you're going to go over there, we're going to, you know, they're at the end of the day, they were like, we're going to take you down. Now, 
they didn't take them down um at all but i appreciate the confidence i guess i mean it was nice to see what it's like uh you know the inside of an nba locker room with that kind of news because you know we don't really get to see that perspective we don't really get to see when uh you know giant nba news breaks how players react in that moment it's it's really funny i think he said what i was immediately thinking and that's oh how's russell westbrook gonna react and for like two years russell westbrook's reaction was like everything to in that situation like the cupcake shirts you know him having a chip on his shoulder winning mvp going on those triple double runs which we're gonna get to later on carl anthony towns went on aiden ross's stream and actually talked mess about russell westbrook's uh, stat hunting but it's kind of like how the world took the news what do you think coop I'm sorry, I'm stuck on this Iman Shumford stuff. So I'm reading the quote and he's like, I love the NBA for loyalty that I thought was there. Who was loyal to Iman Shumpert to that? Like he feels this way. Like he's, play, he's played on like what? One, two, three, four. He's played on like five or six teams in his career. No team more than four years. What is he talking about? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I think um, a part of me wonders if he's kind of coming out and just being bold on purpose, like more with the LeBron stuff, less with the Kevin Durant stuff, because I think the Kevin Durant reaction is very pure. But I think this whole concept of being loyal to your original franchise is is something that just doesn't come by very often and should be appreciated when it does you know like the Steph Curry's the Kobe Bryant's the Dirk Nowitzki's and in those situations the one thing that all those players had in common is the fact that they had pretty good world-class organizations putting them in situations for success you know Kobe had Shaq then Powell then Lamar Odom then Andrew Bynum and oh, the list goes on and on in terms of the help he got um, Dirk Nowitzki would take pay cuts and Mark Cuban would do his best throughout his years and then of course Steph Curry we saw what the Golden State Warriors did with him over the past decade so I think if, it, if it's a situation where the star player is properly supported there's no reason for them to leave <sighs> Yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. They they did get to the Western Conference Finals that year. They did almost uh, make it out, uh, if not for a horrible choke job, honestly. But I will say that there was, um, you know, with the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, you know, yes, they definitely put enough talent around him with Russ, with uh, everything. But there was more to that circumstance. Kevin Durant was clearly fed up with playing with Russ. Um, I think that was just a major, major part. He even, you know, brought up the fact that the Golden State Warriors, which is funny because he ended up, you know, wanting to be more of an ISO player. But when he did sign with the Golden State Warriors, he brought up the fact like, oh, their team, you know, their ball movement, the fact that, you know, one guy is, you know, not ahead of any other, like they're superstars and they're able to, you know, work together. He brought that up, you know, as like a thing, you know, I feel like against Russ at the time. And so then we had all of that Russ drama. But yeah, uh, so I think that went more into Kevin Durant's um, situation. I also believe that if LeBron didn't rip the Band-Aid off, you know, years earlier and did, you know, stay in Cleveland or whatever, I feel like Kevin Durant probably still would leave, but just wouldn't do the Warriors. I feel like maybe it just wouldn't be as extreme as that. And um, I just feel like, though, in general, also, though, with those Thunder team, we, with that Thunder team, we have to remember they traded away James Harden. Um, I'm sure Kevin Durant had animosity about that. I'm sure he's like, all right, what is our front office doing? They also failed to uh, get KD and Russ enough shooting, honestly. Like, you know, they didn't have enough shooting 
for a solid three or four seasons. It was always a problem. The Thunder always had this thing where it was like, oh, if they could only just get a few more shooters to spread the floor, but they could never do it. And the front office just could never make that happen. So I feel like I'm in a weird position because I ripped Kevin Durant when he went to the Warriors. I still think that was a complete bitch move, I'll say, to go to the Warriors. You know, that was just ridiculous. But I'm just, you know, pointing out, I guess I'm just playing, you know, devil's advocate here, pointing out why Kevin Durant would leave. That's an excellent point, Mike. It, this is kind of funny because, like, I don't know if you guys happen to watch the nationally televised uh, games on Christmas Day, but my Los Angeles Lakers happened to have been playing that day. Dude, I lost every bet. It was amazing. Oh, really? <laughs> like, literally, I went one for seven. It was amazing. What do you bet on? What, what, what platform do you use to bet? But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I use a platform. And the problem was, all right, so I'm not going to name it, but, you know, the way that it works is they, they're like, oh, you get a certain amount of free bets, blah, 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 blah. All right. Basically, I didn't lose any money because, but if, if the Lakers had just won, I would have won 600 bucks. I didn't lose anything. Um, and if Devin Booker had been a little more on, um, I also would have won money. But yeah, um, yes. So Russell Westbrook cost me money. What, what did you think watching that, uh, Mike? Because I know, you know, with Chris on Christmas, with all eyes on the Lakers, because Christmas really is like, you know, the NBA's holiday. Those are the games that are playing. I feel like I saw so much hate for Russell Westbrook post game, like after everything. Um, it's so it's so unfortunate because Russ, like literally just hands out narratives to various casuals based off of his poor national television performances and that was a great example of one of them i i mean like people watch the game and obviously like i'm always gonna say this i'm gonna die on this hill russell westbrook to the lakers doesn't work never did work i don't think it ever will work the idea of having three stars on a team that don't kind of gel together and a bunch of players on a veteran minimum contract doesn't work okay in my opinion now that we got that out of the way it was just a standard bad russell westbrook game it's i've seen it so many times at this point and it's kind of funny because did you see what he started to say about his expectations a couple days later yesterday? He came out and said, I think people are expecting me to have fucking 25, 15 and 15. That's not a normal thing that people do consistently. I know I've done it the past five years, but that's not normal. And it's really ironic because Russ is always like hated on because he's like, oh, let me let me go get my triple double. You know, so long as I get a triple double, people can't hate on me. And this kind of supports what Carl Anthony Towns said on Aiden Ross's stream, where it seems like Russ is straight up just hunting for stats. I ain't trying to play for no stats. I'm trying to go win this game, boy. I'm trying to go win this game. You get stats and you lose. That shit's pointless. What do you think about Russell Westbrook? He definitely gets stats. <laughs> he chasing stats. I just, I just think that sometimes he plays too quick. He, he tries to do too much. You just, you know, what I'm trying to say, trust your teammates, move around a little bit. But which, again, by all means, good for him. I probably would be a little bit more comfortable with that if he was like the sixth man off of our bench or coming off of our bench. Which there's no chance he will come off of our bench because he's making too much damn money. 
but it just seems like he's more concerned with saying, hey, if I go out and shoot like three for 16, get 15 points, you know, 12 rebounds and like 10 assists, then I did my job, you know, and people are expecting me to do more than that. That's I don't know if I could do that. It just seems like there's a disconnect for me. You guys got what you ordered. You know, you uh, you went to Waffle House, you ordered waffles. Uh, you saw the contract. You saw Russell Westbrook last year. If you watched him at all, this is what he's been doing for the past few years. I'll say it's gotten a lot worse uh, with the Washington. He doesn't play defense. I mean, uh, the defensive IQ is not there. Uh, I actually don't think Russell Westbrook has been as horrific as a lot of people have been alluding to. I just think his contract is so bad that it's, it's hard to put a good team around a guy like that when you have, you know, two other guys making the type of money that they do in LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and rightfully so. But if you look at the Lakers roster, it's it's just not good. And, you know, Russell Westbrook's not going to defend. Uh, he's going to have costly turnovers. Uh, he's going to miss shots. He's going to struggle here, here and there. But, <laughs> you know, uh, this is this is who Russell Westbrook is at this stage of, the, of his career. The Lakers made a decision. They got rid of depth. They got rid of some defenders and they went out and they went for a star. So you made your bet laying it. Yeah. So I'll say that also in that quote, the uh, it began with Russ saying, you know, I think I'm doing fine, which is so, you know, goes with Mike speaks volumes because, you know, we have for the last few years. And I remember back in like 2015 or so, I whenever Russell Westbrook, you know, was making a run, not 2015, but when uh, when he was making the run uh, for the MVP, at that point in time, I was like, you know, what, why is this number, this arbitrary triple double so important? And I remember people, you know, arguing back and forth, back and forth, Oscar Robertson. And now I'm very happy to say that it seems like, you know, people are just sick of it, sick of counting stats. I definitely agree with you, Mike, where it's like, it's very strange for him to specifically bring up like not only a triple double, but like uh, basically a super triple double and being like, hey, I'm not putting up this, but, you know, I'm still almost averaging a triple double. You know, it seems like he's very into counting stats and he's very aware of his stats like, you know, um, so I don't think necessarily he's out here with the Lakers stat padding. I just think that he's the kind of guy that like looks at the end of the day and is like, oh, I had 20, 24 points, 12 assists. And no matter how he got it, he's like, oh, I still put that up. I still had 24 and 12. Like, how are you going to, you know, um, criticize me? Very strange statement. It just seems like, you know, again, end of the day that he just doesn't understand why people are even criticizing him. Like, no one's talking about your numbers. People are talking about your play style in general. People are saying that you, yeah, the costly turnovers, the bad decisions at the end of the game, all of that kind of stuff, the lack of effort on defense. That's where people are criticizing you. No one's saying like, oh, wow, Russell Westbrook's not getting as many triple doubles. What's happening? It's really interesting, too, because you look at some of his best games, like against the Sacramento Kings on November 26th, he put up 29 points, an efficient 29 points off of 10 of 18 shooting, 10 total rebounds, 11 assists. The Lakers lost, right? Then a couple, then like the game before the Brooklyn Nets, uh, he puts up 30 points, seven rebounds and seven assists and the Lakers lose. You know, obviously the Lakers have been dealing with like injuries and whatnot, but like, again, uh, but like, it just seems like it, it just seems like his best games, like, of course, there was the game he had against the Dallas Mavericks where he almost put up a triple double and the Lakers won. But 
it seems like his best games don't necessarily contribute to wins. And that's where there's a huge problem because I feel like a lot of people like to compare this year's Los Angeles Lakers season to the 2013 Los Angeles Lakers season where they acquired Steve Nash and uh, Dwight Howard and tried to make that work. Um, I think this is more similar to the 2017 to 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James's last year with um, with the Cleveland Cavaliers or the year that they acquired Isaiah Thomas. I don't think that was his last year. I think that was his second to last year. They acquired Isaiah Thomas. They acquired Dwayne Wade. And then in the middle of the season, they pretty much said, OK, like we're wasting a year of LeBron. This isn't going to work out. We got to swap out a bunch of these pieces and these parts for new pieces and parts. And then they traded Isaiah Thomas for Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson. They got Rodney Hood. They shipped Dwayne Wade back to Miami and said, oh, this is the right thing. And I feel like that's where we're headed right now because you can't afford to waste any more LeBron James. What he's doing this year is remarkable at the age of 37. So would you say that LeBron James' best games also don't equate to wins? Because the past three games, LeBron's put up 39, 36, 34, incredibly efficient, um, you know, nine rebounds, seven assists type stuff, all losses. I think it's more to do with the fact that LeBron and Westbrook on a court together just doesn't doesn't work. And maybe if you only were playing through one of them, ideally LeBron, but I just don't think both of them on the same team necessarily works. I think that the Lakers roster is very poorly built. And I think it's a roster that just needs everybody healthy. I think if Anthony Davis was having a good season that, you know, we might not even be having this conversation about Russell Westbrook because they were winning a lot more than they are right now. I saw a statistic that when Anthony Davis went down, essentially the Lakers became the worst defense in the NBA. And it's not really close. If you look at the Lakers roster, it's just so poorly constructed that people are getting excited over guys like Stanley Johnson because he plays a little bit of defense, because he shows a little bit of heart, because he's above six foot six. I don't know, man. Um, you know, you're right. You're right. You're completely right to where Russell Westbrook does need to be better. But just the way things are, it's hard for me to just sit here and blame Russell Westbrook for everything that's going on. You guys don't even have a competent backup big man. We've had to look, we've had to watch 36, 37-year-old LeBron James run center this season for the Los Angeles Lakers. And that blows my mind. But here's the thing. Whose fault do you think the construction of this roster is? You know, like it seems like a very I know everyone's gonna say Rob Palinka, but who do you think has the final say in all these decisions? LeBron James, Le GM. You know, you think, do you think? It was a Rob Palinka decision to say, hey, let's go get Russell Westbrook and sign a old Carmelo Anthony and bring up bring back like Rajon Carmelo Rondo was actually a and, good signing. Carmelo was I mean, he, he, he's outplayed signing. his contract. He's outplayed yeah. his contract. Um, bring back Rajon Rondo and Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley because they want a championship with us. Bring Trevor Ariza and all these players on veteran minimums like. I just don't think any general manager thinks that's a good idea. I don't think that was a Rob Palinka decision. I think, um, by the way, I'm going to go out and say that the additions of Darren Collison and uh, Stanley Johnson, very underrated, both great defensive players. If Darren Collison, Stanley Johnson, 
Whoa, Stanley whoa, Johnson whoa, whoa. got signed by the Bulls and immediately went into COVID protocol and then got cut with no chance of actually playing. Yeah, like yo, he, Lakers played, fans? he played well for us in the preseason and then we did. Then we re, we signed him and he just immediately COVID protocol cut. That dude is a jump shot away from like making absolute bank in the NBA. Like, oh yeah, but that's 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 what that's what they said yeah. when they drafted him, and uh, <laughs> he still hasn't happened. But what I'll say with the Lakers, what I will say is this: Yeah, LeBron. Okay, all everything you guys have said, you know, is uh, I agree with. But what I will also say is, though, you know, every single team right now is dealing with all these injuries, dealing with COVID, dealing with, you know, rosters of uncertainty, dealing with G League players suddenly playing with them. You know, Joe Johnson suddenly coming out of the retirement home and, you know, donning a uh, Boston Celtics uniform, whatever. You know, several teams have been doing this. The Los Angeles Lakers have been playing one of the easiest schedules in the NBA and are supposed to be playing one of if not the hardest, you know, their strength of schedule is uh, top five, you know, for the second half of the season as of right now. And that's a problem. But what my whole point is, you know, when you do have three stars, you have LeBron, you have Anthony Davis, and you have Russ. You have a hell of a lot more than a lot of what these other teams that are struggling with COVID and struggling with injuries. And the fact that, you know, these guys aren't able to take over and aren't able to win games is a giant, giant red flag to me, more than people are talking about. I feel like I feel like, you know, some people are still saying, yeah, you know, oh, the Lakers haven't been able to play together. All this, all this. I've been watching the Chicago Bulls all season. The Chicago Bulls have the same thing. Zach Levine out. Lonzo Ball out right now. You know, the Bulls have been doing the same thing. They've we've lost big men and we've had to play DeMar DeRozan, you know, at, at power forward and start him there. There's been, you know, several things throughout the season. The guys have just been able to adjust. I feel like the Lakers so, just haven't adjusted. I also don't think it's fair to call like. I mean, like, are we going to call, like, Dwight Howard a star? Like, I don't think, like, if we're paying Russell Westbrook right now, what, what is he getting, like, 15 million, 20 million? It's just that contract is so bad. Uh, you know, he's still, I think Russell Westbrook still does have value as a player, but it's just like a gross mismanagement on the Los Angeles Lakers side. And I agree with you. They have to find ways to win games. And I feel like people aren't pointing the finger at Frank Vogel enough. If you've looked at some of the lineups that the Lakers have put out there, it's ridiculous. I saw a lineup of IT, Rajon Rondo, and Russell Westbrook. And this isn't a one-time thing. They like to go out there and play these three guard lineups and have Russell Westbrook be the biggest guard and put LeBron James at center. And you wonder why you're struggling on defense. I, it, it just blows my mind watching it's this Los Angeles Lakers team. Yeah, it's a great point. And it's like, also, you know, I'll say, yeah, did I uh, end up losing that 600, you know, for with the Lakers on Christmas? Yes. And it's because I looked at the spread and it was only like minus one or minus two, you know, uh, for those who don't know gambling, you know, that's the Lakers. Uh, basically, that means that the Nets were given two points to start the game and the Lakers just had to beat them there. The Lakers are at home. The Lakers are playing the Nets without Kevin Durant and, you know, Kyrie Irving, but, you know, mostly, mainly without Kevin Durant, the guy that they've been revolving their offense around all season, and you still lose? Like, that is, that that to me is just, there's literally no excuse for that loss to lose that game without Kevin Durant playing. So I will tell you this, Mike. I want to I ask you a question, the flight, Mike. How do you feel about the New Orleans Pelicans having that pick this year if it falls into the top 10? I mean, <laughs> the top 10. And we're really there. We are we're, really we're, there. We're, we're really yeah, there. I love it. We really are there. Like, that's actually uh, You're thing. about to build us a dynasty, Mike. I want to see oh, your face I, when I, it happens. I, 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 
I, I will. I would do that Anthony Davis trade like 10 out of 10 times. Like if the like there's no regrets about the Anthony Davis trade at all whatsoever. Um, the only thing that I do regret is I feel like the Lakers and I think this I'm going to blame LeBron because, again, just based off of like his history, I feel like it's just very much in LeBron's character to try to recruit star players to play with him. I think he just like looked at a star player that was available. He's like, oh, we could get a former MVP if we just let go of all of our, you know, role players. And he just pounced on the wrong star. I remember a while ago, and this is like probably at the bottom of the barrel in terms of NBA rumors, where I saw a lovely rumor that suggested that Lonzo Ball may come back to the Lakers back like last year before he got traded to the Chicago Bulls. And if that would have happened, I would have been like in absolute heaven. I was hoping the clutch sports connection could come through and that was the trade that would have ended up happening. I feel like he is probably one of the most or at that time, he was one of the most underappreciated point guards in the entire league. He does everything that you'd want from a modern point guard. That's the, that would have been like my ideal type of player, a point guard that could slide in, play defense, can facilitate, can play off of the ball, or he could be the one that leads the offense down the court. It didn't happen. We got Russell Westbrook instead. We so, made our bed. We got to sleep in it. It's unfortunate. Flight Mike, how do you feel about Vogel? Do you think he's the coach right now? Or do you think the team has given up on him? Because I don't know if you saw that clip where LeBron is like the only one down court and four other Lakers struggle to make it up. You saw that. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I think at this point, like firing frank vogel in the middle of the season i mean you do have the pieces in place in order to kind of have a new uh, kind of have a fresh face takeover might be able to like david fisdale might be able to reach the players a little bit more i'm unsure if that is going to make much of a difference i don't know if the team gave up on frank vogel um i personally like historically i've always been the type of guy that like doesn't like making coaching changes in the middle of an nba season because i feel like that'll affect your chances of winning a championship and then i saw the 2016 cleveland cavaliers and that changed my oh, yeah, entire perception yeah that was nuts so I get so that's the only reason why I would entertain it at this point. I just don't know if is David Fisdale really the answer. What is David Fisdale going to bring to the table also, that Frank Vogel can't? I just no, I feel like I the like Lakers this. aren't. I'll say I feel like the Lakers, um, you know, in terms of the effort and in terms of all of that, I feel like none of these guys are having fun playing basketball right they now. They are not at all. Like I no. think. Everything that's happening, they're just hearing all the criticism. You know, they're just, you know, mounting up losses. They're just hearing all of this noise and it's just getting to all of them. And yeah, I think it's incredibly yeah. concerning. I don't think a head coach is just going to suddenly be able to come in, especially midseason. Maybe, if, you know, offseason. If you give them, you know, all of training camp, all of the offseason, you know, in order to have meetings with players and, you know, practices and, you know, reestablish a great culture. But just as of now, Putting a head coach in that situation is basically, I would say, a death I mean, sentence. You're going yeah. into a veteran-led team. You know, you know, this is a team just full of veterans and LeBron, and you're going to suddenly try to have have them. You know, it's not even about the offensive systems. I feel like you know the effort and the just joy of playing basketball. How do you fix that? Be incredibly difficult. Yeah, I it's think not that, impossible. I think that has to do a little bit also with like players giving up and players like I don't know I've witnessed it with the Pelicans and I'm sure you've witnessed this witnessed it before where players just give up on a coach 
you know, mm-hmm. they're out on a coach, you know. Yes. And sometimes <laughs> just it's a breath of fresh air to get a new guy. Mm-hmm. And the Los Angeles Lakers are at this point where it's like, hey, man, what, what, what can they do? You know, outside of like trading THT or, you know, maybe mortgaging the future even more. It's like, well, what, what options do we have? So, you know, with the Los Angeles Lakers, I'm at this point where it's like, I, I agree. Like, I don't I don't know if the coach necessarily fixes something, but like if this losing streak continues, I really worry for them. Did you guys see that play where Russell Westbrook tries to dunk it at the end of the game and LeBron James is in the corner with his hands up? And the thing that was so telling about that clip was LeBron kept his hands up mm-hmm. as Russell Westbrook missed the dunk to say like, yo, my guy, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm open. Yeah. Um, the only thing, the only thing that I think could potentially save this team, I don't think it's a coaching change because I also believe if a head coach wins a championship with your team, you know, you should give him a little bit more rope. I know it, it was the Disney bubble ring and whatever, but was, stop laughing, Coop. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I, uh, I would at least like to give him a little bit more rope because I feel like he got a bad roster this year. I think I feel like he, that rope though is last year. Yeah, you know that rope is not making the play, like bear, like not making any yeah, noise in the and, playoffs last year with and, LeBron running out of time. You know, you you're, you're in say, his final seasons. You could even say players underperformed with Fogel last season, and you're looking absolutely at more of the same this season. So, you know, I, yeah, KCP, I agree with Porzimba. KCP, Montres Harrell, and Kyle Kuzma all went over to the Wizards and all you know went and made um you know they've been playing pretty well. And you're right, you know, like we saw those guys. I mean, Montres Harrell was unplayable suddenly on the Lakers. Like it, even it was like, Drummond, bro. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Montres Harrell, you know, goes from Clippers, sixth man of the year. Lakers suddenly can't get off the bench, can't play him. Wizards back at it again, doing it, getting wins for his team. Definitely. Well, Montres Harrell um, is a reg- Montres Harrell is like a regular season MVP. Like when it comes yeah, to but, playoffs. Okay. Well, then Alex Crusoe. You know, didn't Caruso. get the most out of him. Didn't yeah. get the most out of him. Chicago Bulls suddenly, you know, he has more offensive freedom and more defensive freedom. And suddenly he's all over the court making plays everywhere. Billy Donovan, literally the reason that Alex Crusoe came to the Bulls and immediately wanted to come was, you know, he went to the Lakers. They didn't give him a great offer. He talked to Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan, the first thing he said was, I think there are a lot of things on offense that you do really well that you're not being that aren't being utilized. You are a much better offensive player than the Lakers are allowing you to be. That's what he said. And I've seen it on the Bulls. You know, he's been, uh, you know, been able to do a lot more than he showed in LA. I uh, think the only thing that could really save the Los Angeles Lakers, and even this I'll admit, like as a fairly, I'd say I'm a fairly rational Laker fan, is a huge long shot. And I don't know if this would uh, this would probably be like my dream scenario is if they somehow are able to get the Indiana Pacers to bite on some sort of like multi-team trade that'll get them like one player, even one player from the Pacers. I'm not saying I'm not even saying Sabonis, you know, I'm not saying Sabonis. I'm like a Miles Turner or even like a Karis Levert would make me happy at this point. Like just someone, you know, like some role player that I could look at and say, hey, this is someone that you could count on this gives us some depth like somebody because when i look at the brooklyn nets and this is why i love the brooklyn nets as a as a team you do have Kyrie, you do have katie you do have harden but you also have joe harris you have patty mills you know you have like you have a decent amount of players that are good role players to have on your roster they hit on some of their draft picks as well this laker team like has who austin reeves 
Matt McClung, which Mike Corzamba made a video on two years ago, three years ago, I think. No, I made that this uh, summer. And also, um, I'm pretty sure he, <laughs> Mac McClung was signed by the Bulls recently. So, uh, oh, that's, that's why you made the video. That all, all makes sense well, now. I like, you're the Lakers, I don't think I have Mac McClung anymore. Or maybe they do on his G League team, but he, Mac McClung definitely had like a 10 day contract with the Bulls. I'm not sure even what happened with it because he has not been playing for our team. Uh, you do bring up the Pacers. Do you guys think that Sabonis is really on the table or do you think it's more of a Miles Turner kind of thing? And if so, where do you think that those guys could end up landing? Because Sabonis, obviously, I feel like would, you know, could completely change, you know, championship playoff picture and maybe for the right team, Miles Turner as well. Um, yeah, I with Sabonis, I just have no idea what team is outside of like the Warriors that has the capital to give up to go out and get a guy like him. And, you know, would also want to win in the short term. But the great thing with Sabonis is, you know, he's super young. Uh, fun fact, I'm pretty sure he's only like one year older than the Pacers rookie this season, Chris Duarte. He might be two. So it was really funny to me that they're like, oh, hey, hey yeah, we're, we're, we're going towards this rebuild and we're trading our young players who are pretty good. And then you drafted this rookie that's like 24 years old. But I understand rookie contract and all that. That's actually that is actually super true that the Pacers of everyone drafted like the oldest rookie. Yeah, wow, like, yeah, they did not draft a project at all. Like that's funny. Yeah, you figured you want to go project. Yeah, I think Dorte is a great player. You know, I've hyped him up. So hey, he's long. been good. He's been good. Yeah, he's, he's a good. He's a good player. But you figured you'd want a guy a little bit younger. I think uh, they probably are just looking at what the OKC Thunder are doing, and they're like, okay. You know, we have some tremendous players. I mean, the Indiana Pacers, I'm surprised that they're not doing a better job competing. Um, Dematis Sabonis, Karis LeVert, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, Chris Duarte. I think all are remarkable players. And I think they could get so much in return for uh, the all four except for Duarte. Yeah. So, and I, oh, I'm sorry, Mike. No, go for it. Go for it. I was just going to say, I think part of their problem is that Sabonis and Turner are a bit of a weird fit together, where Sabonis plays very well. Sabonis plays well everywhere, but he's a better fit at the five position. And, you know, when you got Miles Turner, you know, like, where, where are we going to put Miles? You want him in the paint? You want him blocking shots? You know, he can pop out. Uh, but they've been somewhat of an awkward fit in Indiana. And they don't have a guy that's like the guy. They got, like, good players. I mean, Sabonis is incredibly underrated, but they don't have a guy that's like a superstar, a guy that can single-handedly elevate them to the next level. And, I mean, I kind of sound like a hypocrite saying this because I really do think Sabonis can be that guy and kind of has been that guy. But, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a mess out in Indiana right now. I don't think I see. I I agree. I love Sabonis' game, and I think he's you know a really good player, all star level talent. I don't think he's you know that guy like that superstar tier level guy. I definitely agree that you know um, freeing him up more at center, and you know I don't think that him and Miles Turner are a good fit at all. Agreed, because I do think that they both are modern NBA centers, and that they both are starter level talents. When you have to put them both on the court. You know, they don't naturally fit at the power forward position as well in the current NBA. So I do think if I was the Pacers, um, I would make a move uh, if I were able to get something good back with Miles Turner. I would hold on to Sabonis for sure. I'm definitely not in favor of just completely destroying your team because you're the Indiana Pacers. You're not sure when's the next time that you're going to be able to, um, you know, have a, even a guy like Sabonis. You know, that's a multi-time multi all-star that 
I'm sure uh, Sabonis, his game looks like it's going to age well. He's a you know good passing big man, grabs rebounds, scores around the basket. Only about to be what? He's about to be 26 years old. Yeah, so I'd hang on to him um, if I was Indiana. Trade Miles Turner. And I'd be very interested to see what happens with Miles Turner because he has been vocal in that he thinks he deserves a bigger role and a big more scoring specifically. That is a scary statement. Now, we did see with Lonzo, as you know, we've talked on this podcast before, Coop specifically, you know, Lonzo came in and he was like, oh, this is going to be Lonzo's, you know, he's going to go back to his point guard roots. He's going to play like Lonzo did back in high school in UCLA. And like, you know, that didn't end up happening. So maybe there's just talk there and maybe, you know, in a happier role, Miles Turner will just, you know, not really care so much about that. But he did specifically say he felt like a role player on Indiana and thought that he was a better player than that and wanted to be more of a part of the offense. Yeah, uh, I... I agree with what you had to say, and I also say this. I'll also say this. I think this is one of the better drafts to be bad to tear everything down. I don't know if you guys have been following college basketball basketball at all, but there is there are some unicorns at the top of this draft. Jaden Ivey is unbelievable. Jaden Hardy is cold. Chet Holmgren is like what seven foot, seven feet, seven seven foot one, and you know he's got that modern game that you like. Dribbles like a guard. Then you got Benchero who. I mean, I don't even need to say anything. And then we got a riser to number one on the draft board, a new riser in Jabari Smith, who is just one of the craziest prospects I've seen in a long time. This guy is 6'10", and he takes shots that you really would not want any other player in college basketball taking. He has a high release point on his shot, and he is able to create off the dribble. And he is such a good shooter. I'm think I, I think he's shooting the three ball at like 43, 44% this season on like yep, maybe like 45, 45%. Yep. Like that's crazy. And you got to look at some of the shots he's taking and making. He pulls up guy right in his face, high release right over him. He can slash, he can get to the basket. I mean, just a crazy prospect. I, if I were, if I were the Pacers, I'm like, yeah, we got to ship some of these guys out. We got to bottom out just, just, just one season and, and get some of these assets and picks. Honestly, you know, um, I wonder if what we're seeing, because I feel like, and, and I recently uh, saw this, Shumpert might have actually, you know, the hero of this podcast, Simon Shumpert, uh, he might have actually said something like, you know, that basketball players are just a lot more skilled now and are, you know, coming into the league more talented. I wonder if we're seeing, you know, an influx of talent, much like I feel like what happened in the early to mid to late 2000s, you know, we saw guys like at the time, like Stefan Marbury and, you know, um, those kind of guys were considered top point guards and then a bunch of new guys came into the NBA and they kind of took over I wonder if you know these last two draft classes uh last year's draft class you know the guys have been incredible one of the best uh one of the best drafts that I've seen you know in recent memory of just a bunch of guys you know coming in and performing right away and you know with this draft coming up you're right Coop you know with all these like exciting prospects I really think that these like you know last few seasons also with LaMelo and Anthony Edwards of course are going to really shape the landscape of the NBA um and for the next 15 or so years that's so true there's a pros there's a prospect named Nikola Jovic from Serbia <laughs> like it's literally spelled like Jokic except with a V instead of a K yeah speaking <laughs> of overseas prospects have you guys got the opportunity to watch Shingun play for the Houston Rockets yeah um uh it, it if you guys have not gotten a chance to watch him play, you know, definitely Houston Rocket games. 
Sometimes with the guys out, you know, it's a, there's a little bit of a questionable players out there. But Shingun, you know, is that guy that is catching the ball in the post. And next thing you know, throwing a behind the back wraparound pass to a guy, to a cutting guy for the basket. And you're like, how did he even see that? Absolutely awesome. Um, I'm not sure about his raw numbers. I honest, to They're be honest, really but, good. If he yeah, was playing the eye 36 test minutes, is crazy. if he was playing 36 minutes per game, I think he'd be like near the top of the rookie of the year conversation. I'll pull those up as you guys uh, keep going. Yeah, Shingun has been an absolute revelation for the Rock. The Rockets absolutely killed this past draft. Going out, getting Jalen Green, and then you get possibly another franchise cornerstone in Shingun. The Rockets actually have a ton of talent, even though, you know, I didn't agree with all of the Rockets' recent moves. I really didn't like them letting Jared Allen go. And then there's a question mark with uh, Christian Wood. What's happening there? Christian Wood is another guy that just has so much talent, but he kind of gets inside his own head. I wonder what the Rockets are going to end up doing with him. That's a guy that we should definitely be on the lookout for, especially with Shingun rising and coming to prominence for Houston. I'll be, I'll agree with, um, like with Christian Wood, like what's exactly going on there. What I'll say though is that like watching Houston Rocket games. Um, you know, I watched the Bulls recently against the Rockets and Christian Wood didn't have like actually did not have guards out there at times. It felt like, you know, uh, Jalen was out. Kevin Porter was out and he multiple times was just dribbling the basketball up the court. Now, I'm I'm not sure what if that speaks more to his versatility or if that's developing a bad habit. I don't know. Uh, you know, the Rockets when with the with COVID and everything, you know, Though a young team like that is going to get decimated and you're just going to be playing a bunch of absolutely random guys. But yeah, I pulled up, um, I want to, Shangun's numbers. So per 36 right now, right? The man is shooting 49% from the field and he's averaging per 36, 17.3 points, 9.5 rebounds, 5.3 assists, 1.9 steals, 1.6 blocks, you know, filling up the stat sheet all around. His base numbers are pretty good, too. You know, he's averaging 9.1 points, 5 rebounds, 2.8 assists in only 18.8 minutes a game. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this draft has, I don't want to say, you know, a bunch of those guys, but it has a few, has a bunch of, you know, top talent and then sneaky guys like this where we don't know where he's going to be in a few seasons. You know, it, it appears he has all the talent in the world. <laughs> yeah, so, you know. The New Orleans Pelicans actually stole a guy in this draft, too, in Herb Jones, who is now being uh, regarded as one of the better defenders in the NBA. Some guys even calling them, you know, top 15 already. So, yeah, like like you said, it's it's been an unbelievable draft. And while we're talking about the New Orleans Pelicans, I got to transition us to Brandon Ingram flat out becoming a completely different player than he was a few years ago. And even a completely different player than he was last season. Have you guys been checking out the Pelicans at all? Have you been seeing what Brandon Ingram has been doing for this team? I know as of late, he's been on a tear, but um, I'm not going to lie to you. I have not seen many Pelicans games, but luckily we have the expert right here for us. Yeah, so <laughs> the, the Pelicans are like, they're, they're crazy because... I said earlier, I don't think they're as bad as their record, and I really believe that. And, you know, I mean, you see recently they they went on a win streak. Um, they've been a little healthier, even though Brandon Ingram recently went back out. But what Brandon Ingram is doing right now, I'll say this, and I'm ready for the hate, and you guys could disagree, and I, I'll completely respect it. I think Brandon Ingram is a better basketball player than Jason Tatum. 
right now at this moment. I'm not sure what the flaw in Brandon Ingram's game is. If you want to disagree, go ahead. I'm ready. Well, it would just be crazy to disagree because I just openly said that I haven't been watching him. So <laughs> that's fair, I'm, that's fair, I'm not going to I'm not going to go with that big of a hot take. However, you know, I will say that um, Brandon Ingram has been on a tear as of late um, and just, you know, hopefully he continues. I, I mean, I want the Pelicans to do well. I want Brent, uh, Zion to come back. So, yeah, he's a legit been, though, point forward now. So yeah, it's so going to be that's interesting what I was say. What so what do you think has been uh you know developing and opening up in his game that has taken him to another level? Passing. He's so much more composed. It's it's just on a, like he's a true leader for this team. He stepped up and this is really what the Pelicans needed. Um just his playmaking is on another level. I think he learned early in the season that hey, if I could pass the ball, it's going to make things easier for me in the long run. Um you know, he's looking to facilitate, he's looking to get guys in their spots he's looking to get into sets a lot of the bad uh a lot of the ball stopping you know it hasn't really been happening this season with bi and you know i know he's not averaging as many points as he was in previous seasons but trust me that's going to go up and basketball is not all about scoring and statistics where to uh my guy russell westbrook another revelation for the new orleans pelicans has been josh hart same type of stuff becoming more uh free you know, it's really funny. Josh Hart actually threw a shot at Point Zion earlier this year, citing that he thinks that like like he thinks he's been better because, you know, he's not standing in a corner anymore. And, you know, when you got a guy like Zion Williamson, you stick people like Josh Hart, you stick defenders, shooters, all that on the outskirts and you let a guy go to work. So I, I definitely think it's going to be uh, interesting to see the dynamic once Zion Williamson returns, what they decide to go with. Well, you know, um, there's a uh, Mike. Can I just add the story in real quick? Um, there, there's a famous uh, Hakeem Olajuwon story where Hakeem Olajuwon um, got hurt early on uh, in their during their championship season, and you know the the guys had to all learn basically how to play without him. You know, suddenly without uh, you know one of the best centers of all time, and when he came back. He realized, you know, they were playing a much, you know, more team-oriented game of basketball than they had been previously. Where, you know, it was get the ball to Hakeem. He's so dominant, and that ended up, you know, uh, he they ended up riding that wave to an NBA championship. I don't want to say the Pelicans are going to ride it to a championship, but what I am saying is that, you know, when you do have a star out. Um, you do look for the positives, of course. And so guys, you know, like Brandon Ingram developing, guys like Josh Hart getting able, they're able to, you know, like Josh Hart said, you know, he's not standing in the corner. He's able to, you know, do things on a basketball court uh, that he wouldn't be able to do probably with Zion out there. And, you know, that does help the team in the long run. Do you think uh, Zion Williamson is going to come back this Ooh, year? I actually just got offered a trade for Zion Williamson in fantasy, and I winched at it. So I think that's my my natural uh that's like my subconscious being like, yeah, I don't think I don't think he's coming back. I'm not sure he should come back this season. What do you think, Mike? I uh, I mean, what's let me take a look at the Pelicans record. Well, the Pelicans are only like two games out of the play in, but even so, yeah. would it be worth it, especially in a draft as good as this one? I do think winning is important and I don't know. For young teams, I don't know. I don't know. Winning is important, winning. but at the same time, the Pelicans have enough young talent. So it's like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to win or do you want to try to get more talent for the future? 
Winning well, I, I agree. Your... Oh, sorry, Mike. Do you want to go? Oh, my bad. Um, no, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I agree, you know, building a winning culture for sure important. Uh, you never want your guys to go out there and, you know, be playing to lose. But I would say that, you know, with, with Brandon Ingram being out there and having all that, you know, it's not like the Pelicans are. If they hold Zion out, I wouldn't say that's, you know, telling your guys and sending a message like we're trying to lose unless, you know, he's so healthy and so ready to go. But like as it stands right now, it feels like that is, you know, just absolutely not the case and like the players are understanding of him not coming back and you know it's just more of the the risk like at a certain point in the season it's just like okay you know he's had problems he's had weight issues here do we want to you know take that risk do we want to have any possibility of him getting injured and the answer is going to be a very very hard no so unless Zion is like you know 200% ready to come back I agree I, I don't think I see him coming back I don't see a point for I do agree that it's important to win as you're a young team, but I don't necessarily see the point in winning if you don't have your star player around, you know, and in and in the case of the New Orleans Pelicans, like I think, first of all, like I'm always going to say that how they handled Zion's latest injury was so freaking sleazy. And I, I feel like it was really wrong of them to lie to their fan base like that and make it seem like, oh, by the way, you know, that star player that you guys bought a bunch of season tickets for. Yeah, he's out with a broken foot. Yeah, he's going to be and it's not going to be that long. He's going to be gone for like a couple weeks. He should be good soon. We're like 34 games into the season. It's almost half the season. At this point, I don't really see a point in trotting him back out there because we've talked about this before on the pod where you don't want Zion to fully heal and then have him play basketball while he's out of shape. So there's going to have to be like a ramp up period where he gets back into shape. By that point, there's probably like, what, 20 games left in the regular season, maybe 25 if you're lucky. I, I, so I think he's going to be shut down. At some point, we're going to hear he's going to be shut down for the entire season. So I actually have an unpopular opinion that, you know, hey, if I get hate, I understand. Uh, so, you know, the Pelicans made a trade with the Memphis Grizzlies earlier uh, this year. And in that trade, the Pelicans acquired Jonas Valanciunas, who has been absolutely unbelievable for the New Orleans Pelicans. I think that there is a small chance, uh, there might be a decent chance, that the Pelicans actually lose this trade, regardless of how good Jonas has been playing. Because the Grizzlies despite losing Jonas and acquiring Stephen Adams, are fourth in the Western Conference right now. And we've got to see this team grow on top of getting to see this team grow. They also get the Lakers pick this season if it's outside of the top 10. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on there. And I would, I would say I feel like that Lakers pick, I mean, just based on how things are getting looking in the Western Conference, I mean, it. I feel like it's definitely going to be out of the uh, – It unless the Lakers completely fall apart and crumble, it looks like it's going to be out of the top 10 because the West, like, you know, once you get to the bottom for some of these teams, um, the standings, you know, uh, it just looks like the Lakers, especially yeah, – if, if it's like 17 or 18, though, that's like whatever. But if it's like 12, 13 – that's where, like, that's where it would be though because I think it I think looking at the West though I mean the Lakers could turn it around the Lakers could turn it around today 
and you know safely be number five in the western conference in like a week or two you know that's how close right now five to nine in the west is um the clippers are only 17 and 17 at the five spot and the lakers are 16 and 18 so you know they could turn around um but yeah so unfortunately i do think yeah the grizzlies are going to get that pick i would think that'd be likely and um that goes to show you you know uh where we talk about some of these trades and some of the ways that these players fit on teams you know uh you know Valanciunas fits better for you but yeah the like you know the Grizzlies made that trade and now they've emerged as they're 21 and 14 and John Moran is getting talk as being a potential all-star starter yeah that's why you you don't jump to judge trades I guess like a lot of these trades you definitely have to see it through and wait it out you know we've we've talked a lot uh today about teams needing uh replacement players and all of that um and recently jr smith tweeted out that you know all these guys are getting signed and where's his contract so are there any guys out there that you guys would still like to be signed um like a guy like jr uh you know we saw recently uh, we saw recently joe johnson come back for the celtics so are there any guys like that or are there any guys like i don't know leangelo ball who <laughs> When is this going to happen? <laughs> yeah, so I think he's actually, I'm not sure. He might be coming off the bench in the G League. I looked at his stats. He's actually not doing bad, though. To say he's playing like 14 minutes a game, he's averaging nine points. I think he's shooting like 53% from the three-point line. So, yeah, I'm actually shocked to see that, that LiAngelo hasn't gotten a call. I was shocked to see Greg Monroe get called up. You know, uh, I'm shocked to see Greg Monroe return. Let's put it like that. I thought Greg Monroe was much older than 31. And on top of that, he actually had a good first game back. This guy dropped 11 points. Pretty efficient. Got some boards. But to answer your question, yeah, I would love to see Tyreek Evans and Jeremy Lin get opportunities at the NBA level, especially on the Pelicans. Either one of those guys. Well, I like that. I like especially Jeremy Lin. What's Jeremy Lin doing right now? Do we uh, know? I think he's playing basketball in China right now okay I, there might be uh some hurdles that he would have to go through with his contract to return to the nba but i'm not sure not completely sure i would say jamal crawford would definitely be at the top of my list and uh you know <clears throat> f it like if we want to get weird which this is not gonna happen but if we really want to get weird fresh off of his uh mma debut uh if darren williams oh, wanted to come back <laughs> Listen, I think that will raise my eyebrows. Crazy statement to make that Darren Williams like cost the Cavaliers a championship. Maybe, maybe not that bad, but like when Darren Williams was playing in those playoffs, like in his last season, I don't know what happened, but like basketball, his basketball ability was zapped out of him. I think he was already preparing for the fight at that point. It was like the Space Jam basketball, you know, just taking <laughs> yeah. away his talent, you know, like <laughs> not sure what what happened. It, there. Make, it makes no sense because like his game was never really predicated on his like athleticism. It was always on like his savviness as a guard and his shiftiness. So I, I, I don't really know what I don't know what happened. And his strength like that was so, you know, back in the day, it was Chris Paul, Darren Williams. And like a lot of, you know, huge talking point people had over Darren Williams was he's physical and he had more strength. And he was able to body Chris Paul. Like these were actual conversations that were taking place. It was like, oh, maybe, you know, Darren Williams head to head can body Chris Paul. And he's just better than him because of that. Now, obviously, Chris Paul has, you know, gone down as one of the greatest point guards of all time. And is still performing at a potential at an all-star level, um, where Darren Williams is where he is right now. But you know, speaking of Greg, Greg Monroe, I think it's 
I feel like Greg Monroe is a weird case because I actually saw Greg Monroe play in high school. And in high school, he was shooting threes, you know, dribbling the ball a lot more and, you know, passing. He looked like a big man that I would have thought would have become a modern day big. I, you know, I thought he had the passing IQ at that point. I thought he had, you know, a little bit of a jump shot and he had all the talent. Um, it just did not work out for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm trying to look at like other players that, uh, I, I would like to see come back. I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't think Pau Gasol is a possibility and he's put out feelers before because I don't, I don't even think Mark Gasol's in the, is Mark Gasol still in the NBA? I think he's, I think he's done. No, Mark is, uh, either power Mark. I think it's Mark. I think Mark is currently playing for, um, a, a team in uh, Spain. If I'm correct, I'm pretty sure Marcus Allis currently owns a, a basketball team and he's playing for them and trying to get them in the top level of the league that they are in. Um, they're like in tier two right now. But um, with that, all that in mind, though, you know, I just realized that I actually did have a funny, I feel like, answer to this question, but it, Christmas already passed. But going into the Lakers versus Nets game, all right, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade were tied with the most wins on Christmas Day, all right? The one guy I wanted to see return to the NBA was Dwayne Wade for the Brooklyn Nets for one single game to take on LeBron James, to steal that record for him, snag the win, then walk away as the current, you know, undef as the current guy that holds the wins record for Christmas Day. That's what I wanted to see. We didn't get to see it happen, but you know, that would have been hilarious. Um, I just, I think like when you earn a specific amount of money in the NBA, like returning to the NBA just wouldn't be worth it for you. So like that automatically crosses out like players like Dwayne Wade, Ray Allen, or even Darren Williams, cause he got a huge bag in the NBA. I think it has to be a situation where like you missed out on a bag in the NBA. So like Lance Stevenson is a good example. I think if, if some things went a different way in the early 2010s, he would have gotten a huge contract from the Pacers. Maybe, um, Isaiah Thomas, we know his story. How do you feel about IT? We didn't even talk about that. How do you feel about IT? How did you feel about his time on the Lakers? Yeah, you guys want to end on that? Um, yeah. It's it's what I expected, honestly. It's nothing against him. It's just I feel like his skill set, and I'll always say this, I think the biggest mistake he's made in his entire career was once he got traded and once he was like clearly injured, he should have sat out the whole season and say he was rehabbing his hip, a swindle one team into paying him a bag, and then we wouldn't feel as bad for him, you know? But clearly his talent isn't what it used to be. He's not good enough offensively for a team to try to game plan around his defensive weaknesses, just like the Celtics did in 2017. And obviously he's a huge defensive liability. He played exactly how I expected him to play. I'll say I feel like the Lakers are like the worst possible situation for Isaiah Thomas to go to. Uh, I don't want to keep making excuses and be like, oh, Isaiah had this and this and, you know, this was I'll, I will just say, though, that I feel like 
you know, I would like to see him get maybe, you know, one more chance on a different team because I just don't think that the Lakers were that team, especially with all of the incredible scrutiny that, you know, they're under right now. Yeah. You're, you know, you're coming, you're coming into like the worst situation. You're coming into a team that had championship expectations that is, you know, failing to meet them. And then you're expected to like, you know, immediately play 30 minutes on the court because, you know, everyone's out. It's a, that I will say that situation for him was next to impossible. That one was that was rough. Yeah. <laughs> and Isaiah Thomas is one of those guys where if he's not scoring the ball, then it's like, what's he, what is he doing for you at this stage of his career? So, yeah, like, like Korzimba said, it was just it was just a bad situation. And then, I mean, come on, like we talked about earlier, he's playing next to Rondo and he's playing next to Westbrook. And I don't know, man, just was not was not good. I mean, it was supposed to be like a quick feel good type of thing. You know, so we don't so all of us as NBA fans don't like feel bad as he's like crying, saying people gave up on him. You know, it's not that people gave up well, on him. It's 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 I mean, just I, I don't think it has to be a quick feel good thing. I think that uh, he can still provide a lot of value as a veteran leader um, for uh, numerous young teams. You know, some of these young teams like ba barely have a player that's over 30 years old. So I think, you know, he could uh, definitely be a locker room presence. I just, again, I think the Lakers are the complete wrong team. I think he should go to a young team where, you know, he's he's going to play sometimes because of COVID, no matter what. But, you know, more of, uh, I think he, um, where he is going to thrive in this point in his career is helping to develop young ta talent and be that mentor type kind of guy. I'd also like to see him play for it. I'd also like to see him play for a team. I'm sorry, Mike. I'd also, I cut you off so much. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'd like to see him play for a team that has a rim protector and a team that is able to help defensively uh, a team that emphasizes team defense. I would love to see that. Um, I think completely different. I think it's time that he embraces the fact that like his basketball playing career might be over and he should try to maybe latch on with the Boston Celtics as like an assistant head coach and try to climb the coaching ranks, you know, as a young head coach. Because people like IT, you know, he's had valuable experience in the league. I don't think he's ever going to be the like player. He's never going to be the player that you build around to win a championship. But if you look at his career for what it should be, which is a Mr. Irrelevant 60th pick in the NBA draft comes in has some good seasons in the NBA, and then eventually the uh, he got an injury and some unfortunate stuff happened to him, and then he's no longer the player that he once was, then I think it's something that could be looked, looked back on as a tremendous career, and he should move on to the next thing as opposed to like trying to hold on to this. Yeah, but people just love to hoop, man. I mean, he's just getting paid to play basketball, you know? That's why you see guys end up, you know, playing, you know, overseas and all the way to the end of the, uh, you know, as much as they can get out of their basketball ability. They do. I just feel like, you know, I agree. It would be interesting to see him as a coach and, um, uh, you know, it'd be cool to see that and all of that. But I just feel like, you know, can't blame the man for trying to get as much out as he can uh, while he can get paid for playing basketball, you know, and I think he'll continue to do that for the foreseeable future. Any closing notes, guys? Um, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> <shit>. no. <laughs> Adios, motherfuckers.
<laughs> Alright guys, and so with Coop's words there, uh, thank you guys for watching. Hope you enjoyed. Remember to subscribe, turn on post notifications if you haven't already. If you're watching or listening on Spotify or Apple, you know, hit subscribe, hit follow, hit whatever you hit on those um, apps. And do you guys have any final words? Go Pelicans, Lakers suck. Appreciate the pick. Lakers dynasty coming to an end. Well, not really a dynasty. Yeah. I'm just going to walk off, man. Later. Thank you guys for not spoiling the Hawks game for me last night.